Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And uh, if you are a guest this morning, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning at Family Fellowship. In the, uh, uh, hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in, and in that bulletin is a uh, on the on the right hand side is a uh, perforated uh, connection card. We would love for you to fill that out for us, but you can fill out as much or as little as you are comfortable with. And uh, at the end of the service, there are offering boxes attached to the doors. You can drop it in one of those, or, 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 or uh, one of our pastors would love to meet you as well, and he'll tell you about that at the end of the service. Uh, as always, check in on social media, Living Fully at FFG. Let everyone know where you are this morning, and uh, you, you've, you've sensed that things are a little different this morning. I told the guys that I was going to need uh, all the extra time I could get today. And so we, uh, we've tried to streamline the service just a little bit so that, so that I would have time to, uh, to adequately cover really what we need to cover today. But there is one thing that we still have not done, right? And we need to do that. So I want to ask every head to be bowed and everybody to be closed. And, uh, first of all, let me just give you the opportunity. Why don't you just take a moment and just ask God to come and to, to be present with us and to meet with us and to speak His Word into your hearts. Would you take a moment and do that? Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, even though we willingly admit and openly confess that we fail you uh, daily, that you've never failed us yet and that you never will. We thank you that you extend your grace to us every day and, and that you extend your mercy to us as well. We don't deserve any of those things, and yet you, you give them freely to us because you love us. Father, I pray this morning as we open your word, Lord, that you would um, teach us, help us as, as you have included these things in this final uh, prophetic book in the New Testament. You've allowed us to have a window into future events, Lord, and we may not be able to fully grasp all of them, but um, you've given us a, a picture of what events will be like, and I pray that um, seeing what will happen to um, humanity during this seven-year period of time after you return um, for your children, God, that it would uh, be sobering to us and give us a desire to always be ready and willing to share Jesus with others. So we ask for you to bless this time this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, because of where we really are in this series, this is the eighth message in a series. And so I, I can't do justice of trying to go back. It would take too much time to, to try to review and bring you up to this point. Um, but what you have noticed is that the title of this message series is Revelation, and yet we've spent very little time in the book of Revelation, right? But I explained to you why that was at the very beginning. As I shared with you that in order to understand the 66th book of the Bible, 
you've got to have some knowledge of the prophetic things that were mentioned in the first 65 books. And and by prophetic, we mean the things that, that God gave um, so that we could have a knowledge of things that were going to happen in the future. And so um, we're going to today dive into the book of Revelation and uh, study the actual events that will occur during the seven-year period that immediately follows what the what we call the rapture or, or what what first Thessalonians says is the coming of the Lord to receive those who have committed their lives to him. He will pull all the believers in Jesus up out of this earth. But that's not the end of all things. There are still seven more years that have to happen. And those seven years, if you remember, are God finishing his work with Israel. And that seven year period is called the seven year period of tribulation. And so we're going to, to, to get into a lot of scripture today. Actually, we're probably going to read more scripture in today's message than many of you have read all week. Uh, we're going to nearly read three full chapters of the book of Revelation this morning. And I know you're like, holy cow, I can't believe we're going to read scripture in church. Um, in order for me to, to cover really what is going to happen in that seven-year period, quite honestly, what we're going to cover today in, in one message, we could easily spend six weeks on. Um, but we're, all I'm wanting to do, as I told you, we're trying to make these end-time prophecy things, we're trying to make them simple. So we don't, we're not going to try to cover every little detail but in order for us to, to, to really grasp it, I'm, I'm just going to go bam, 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 bam as the Scripture uh, lays it out for us, and then I'll offer some, some thoughts. So I'm going to give you Scripture. I'm going to give you, you know, some explanation. And then I'm going to give you some of my opinion. Now, I know that people panic about that sometimes. I'm going to tell you right now, it's my opinion. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't bet a taco on my opinion on this stuff one way or the other. And I will let you know what when it's my opinion. But um, and also, if you noticed in your in your bulletin, there's not any blanks to fill in. That's because there would be too many. And so I just gave you the information. So if there's something else that jumps out to you that you know you want to write that that you won't get lost in trying to to fill in the blanks. So um, what we're gonna what we're gonna read today, God gave the apostle John and said, I want you to write these things down. And that happened over 2,000 years ago. So think about this for, for just a moment. If you can, I know that obviously we weren't, you know, we only have what we've been able to read about history 2,000 years ago. But I mean, I think you have a working knowledge of what life 2,000 years ago would be like. So we read things in the scripture, you know, if you wanted water, you didn't turn on the faucet, you went to the well, right? Uh, if you went somewhere, you either walked or you rode a donkey, or maybe you had a, a, a carriage to, to, to pull you in, or whatever. But there was no automobiles. There, there was nothing that flew except for birds, right? So, so think about this for a second. How in the world could the Apostle John write about things 2,000 years in the future that he had never even dreamed of? How, how would the Apostle John write about something like a helicopter? As God gave John this vision of prophetic events, there had to be things that John was like going, 
God, how in the world do you want me to describe that? And God simply said, just do your best. We're going to read some things this morning that, that I, I want you to kind of keep that in mind because I think there are some things in here that as John describes them, we're thinking, what in the world is that? John didn't know. He was just doing the very best that he could to try to describe some, some future things. So uh, in chapters 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation, John gives his best effort at describing the events of the seven-year tribulation period. Now, we've seen from Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21 that there will be devastation on the earth unlike anything the world had ever seen leading up to that point and anything that will be after that. And so this, this devastation comes in three distinct series of judgments that are going to be unleashed on the earth and on all its inhabitants. And they are called the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. And you see those there in your notes. And so before we actually launch into these, um, I want you to understand that, th- that there are three possible explanations as to their order. They could happen consecutively. In other words, you could have the, the, uh, the, the three Seal ju- uh, the seven seal judgments, and then the seven trumpet judgments, and then the seven bowl judgments. So they could be consecutive, or they could overlap. Meaning, maybe you maybe you get, you know, four of the the seal judgments, and then as they continue, also the the trumpet judgments, and then the, the, they just kind of overlap some. Or they could be simultaneous, meaning that they're all going on at the same time. I think that a slight majority of Christians feel like that they happen consecutively. So the, the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, 777. Uh, I, I don't think that they do. I'm just, now, that's again, that's my opinion. You can take it or leave it. I don't think that they do. I'll give you a couple of thoughts this morning as to why. Um, but this is definitely not something that's, that's worth arguing about. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't bet one way or the other that I was right. It's just that there are things as we as we read them that really don't make sense to me if they were to be consecutive. So uh, really, our, our focus isn't the order of them necessarily. Our focus is the devastation that's going to happen in this seven-year period of time. So the Bible starts first with the seal judgments in Revelation chapter 6. And there are seven of them. Revelation chapter 6 Look at verse 1. As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come, I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. You've probably heard the term the four horses of the apocalypse. Well, that's what what we have here. We're, We're about to see four horses as part of these first seven seal judgments. The first is a white horse. Now, let's just go back to fairy tales. When you're in the fairy tale and the guy rides up on the white horse, what is he? He's the hero, right? This is the Antichrist being revealed. That's the first seal judgment because the world sees him as the hero. He is indwelt by Satan, but he is a charismatic leader that the world will follow. Remember from last week, he is the one that when all of the hysteria and mass confusion of the rapture happens, he's the one that steps up to the forefront and, and provides calm in the chaos. 
and calm in the confusion. And he makes the sense out of nonsense after the rapture. And he brokers a peace accord between Israel and the world. And so he has come in in all of this hysteria, and he has, he has brought peace. He's the hero. And that peace lasts for three and a half years. Let's look at the second seal, verse 3. When the Lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come, then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. So the, the second seal judgment is the, a red horse coming in. It is when peace is now taken away. So this happens just at the midpoint of the tribulation period. There's been the Antichrist has been revealed. There's been three and a half years of peace. But now peace is coming to an end. And an army from the north, people want to know, well, who's the army from the north? I don't know. For a long time, we, we probably thought it was Russia. But it may not be necessarily a nation as much as it is a people. It could be um, a, a Muslim army. We don't, we don't really know what it is. Again, we just know that an army from the north is coming, and it's going to make war. And then, at that point, the Antichrist proclaims himself to be God in what the book of Daniel called the abomination of desolation. That's the midpoint. And then at this point, when this happens after this, this is when all hell begins to break loose. When we talk about the tribulation period, there are three and a half years. Of course, you have the initial hysteria of the rapture, but then there's three and a half years of relative calm. And all of the horror that we hear about from the tribulation period happens in the final three and a half years. And that's referred to, and this is not just to remember, as to as the great tribulation that's the last three and a half years so let's look at a third seal judgment verse five when the lamb broke the third seal i heard the third living being say come i looked up and saw a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand and i heard a voice from among the four living beings say a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the olive oil and wine so here you have the third seal judgment is worldwide famine when you have that army from the north coming in, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and there's no more peace, and the world is at war, there is is now there's no trade. The world is in financial crisis, and the result of that is worldwide famine. The fourth seal judgment, verse seven. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, "Come." I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death and his companion the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So now the fourth seal judgment is death of one-fourth of all unbelievers. And I, I say that specifically. You'll understand why in just a moment. There are 7.6 billion people on the earth right now. I'm going to be very generous and say that 10% of that, I don't believe it's that much, but 10% of that disappears at the rapture. Uh, so 760 million disappear. That leaves 6.84 billion people left when the tribulation starts. And right here, 25% of them are killed. One point, almost 2 million people Leaving now 5.13 billion left. You think about you think about what's going on. You have 
whatever we decide, 760 million disappear at the rapture, and then another 1.71 dead early after the midpoint of the tribulation. And the world is, is going bad in a hurry. You, you, have the, you have famine and war and death. And that takes us to the fifth seal, verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. Here's why I shared with you that that previous verse is 25% of the unbelievers of the world are killed because there are people I shared with you last week that who had not heard of Jesus before the rapture who will be saved. God sends 144,000 Jewish evangelists to go and tell those on the earth that had not heard about Jesus previously to tell them about him. And so some will be saved and they will be martyred. They won't worship the Antichrist. They won't take his mark. And as a result, when they are found, they will be martyred for their faith in Jesus. Let's go to the sixth seal, verse 12. I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll. And all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person, all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? So here, the sixth seal in verses 12 through 17, it, it's, it explains some events. And, and the main thing it says is that the skies are darkened. And I believe here, again, I'm going to share just with you my thoughts here. I believe that this is the result of, of massive nuclear war. And here's why I think that these judgments are not consecutive. I think that what we just read here is the description of what the Bible calls the battle of Armageddon. Verse 16 said, that they looked up and they could, the skies had rolled back and they could see in heaven. They could see the face of God. So the skies have opened up. We don't have in Scripture multiple openings up of the sky. We have the sky when it opens for Christ's second coming at the Battle of Armageddon. You don't need to turn here, but in Matthew chapter 24, um, we've talked about this. It describes the, the tribulation period. Uh, But in verse 29, it says, Immediately after the anguish of those days, it's talking about the, the tribulation period. When we get to the end of the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. We just read that, right? The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power, and great glory, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So again, it's not worth debate, um, but I don't see this happening before we then also have to have seven trumpet judgments and then seven bowl judgments. So I, I think that there is some some overlap uh, and some simultaneous things going on here. 
Um, then we go to the seventh seal in chapter 8, verse 1. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. And I'm going to come back to this later at the end of the message because I believe that this is the very last thing that happens after all of the judgments uh, have taken place, after all of the sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. But I'll come back to that. So we start off with... with uh, Seven judgments that the, that the Bible gives to us. The Antichrist is revealed, but he brokers peace. But that only lasts for three and a half years. He comes across as the hero to begin with, but then he's the one that takes away peace, proclaims himself to be God, and then there is war and there is famine. One quarter of all the unbelievers on the earth uh, are, are dead. Those who have committed their life to Jesus during this time, they are martyred for their faith. Then we see that there is, is something that happens, I believe, the result of massive nuclear war, where the skies are darkened, the sun does not give off its light, and then ultimately the, 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 the sky opens up and those on earth can look up into the sky and they can see the face of God. And then silence in heaven for a half of an hour. That then brings us to the seven trumpet judgments. Revelation chapter 8, we just read verse 1 as the seventh seal judgment, and then we roll right in um, to the trumpet judgments. Verse 2, I saw seven, the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Verse 6, then the seven angels with the seven trumpets pre- prepared to blow their mighty blasts. So here's the first trumpet judgment, verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. So the first trumpet judgment. One-third of all tree and plant life dies. Why? What happens? Well, it says hail and fire mixed with blood is thrown down onto the earth. Okay, so here comes some opinion. I'm totally fine if it's literal hail and fire. doesn't make me a difference what it is. But maybe that's just the very best John could do to describe nuclear missiles. See, I want you to, to, to some degree, I want you to understand that he's explaining things that he has no way to understand. He's never seen things fly in the air and then ha- have this massive devastation. Maybe that's what he saw. I just know that we live in a nuclear age. And I'm a firm believer that they will be used before it's all said and done. So the first trumpet judgment, one-third of all tree and plant life dies. The second trumpet judgment, verse 8. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died, and one-third of all ships on the sea were destroyed. I I don't know what to make of that. I'm sure you don't either. Uh, But something devastating happens, and it it destroys one-third of all seagoing vessels. So it isn't just something in the water, but it also destroys one-third of of all the the life in, in, in the saltwater seas. Um, Third trumpet judgment, verse 10. 
Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. I know probably now I have your mind, you're like doing all these things, right? These mental gymnastics of what could that be? That's fine. I don't know what it could be. It could be an asteroid. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the devastation that is going on as the result of these judgments. One-third of all fresh water now is contaminated. The world's ecosystem is under extreme distress. The result of war, and in my opinion, the result of the second seal contributing to the judgment of the third seal, which is famine, all of those things are all coming into place here and, and the world is in a really, really bad place. And when I'm talking about not just the planet, but people. The fourth trumpet judgment, verse 12. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. So one-third of all light is darkened. You can't see the sun for whatever reason. Maybe it's pollution resulting from nuclear war. Again, not the war, not Armageddon. That's still to come. But but the war that's going on on the earth. And again, to help you understand why I think that the judgments aren't consecutive. It wouldn't make sense for the sixth seal to happen. If you look on your notes, the sixth seal was the skies went dark. And then after that, one-third of the skies went dark. That, that's just for me. Again, that's, that's why it doesn't make sense to me that they would be consecutive. Salt water is contaminated, one-third. One-third of the fresh water is contaminated. One-third of all the light is darkened. Fifth trumpet judgment, verse 13. Then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. And it's sharing with us those next three things are going to be full of terror. Three terrors still to come. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. So here's the first of the three terrors. And I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. I want to stop there just for a second, just to maybe alleviate some confusion. The seal of God on their foreheads... It's not the same thing as the mark of the beast. Do you understand? Does that make a little sense? The mark of the beast is that mark that those who uh, worship the Antichrist take. The seal of God is going to be on those, chapter 7, 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And that seal of God is going to be there as a measure of protection for them during this judgment. So, so verse 5, they, these locusts, were told not to kill them, but to torture them 
for five months, not the ones with the seal of God. They're getting untouched, but everyone else. With pain like the pain of a scorpion sting, in those days people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The first terror here, which is the the, the fifth trumpet judgment, is five months of torture. Satan himself comes to earth, and then it talks about locusts that, that, that come out of the earth and, and attack the people, but not the grass, which is what locusts do, right? So, again, I'm fine if these are locusts that sting like scorpions. Um, or maybe there's something else that comes in and creates torture for people. Let's play what if. What if John had no way to describe an Apache or a Cobra helicopter that, that comes in and unleashes something that makes people wish they would die, but they can't? Chemical warfare, some kind of nerve agent. Again, I don't know. I'm just giving you some, some things here. John wouldn't know how to describe these things. Maybe it's just a locust. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. But I want you to understand um, of what these things potentially even could be. The people wish they could die. You know, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I've, I've seen people that because of the disease that they had, they just, they just wanted to die. Um, they had gotten to the place where they had lost hope. Or the place where the suffering was just so bad, they just they would say, "I just, I just wish it would end." And that's exactly what's going on, but it's not going to end just yet. Sixth trumpet judgment, verse thirteen. Did I mention that we we're going to read a lot of verses today? Oh, by the way, if you remember, I told you this at the very first of the series. Revelation chapter one, verse three says, "Blessed is he." Who reads the words of this prophecy? So we're going to be really blessed today, right? Sixth trumpet and the second terror, verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on earth. I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions, and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke uh, and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues... still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. 
and they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. The sixth trumpet judgment and and the second of the three final terrors here, one-third of all mankind is killed. I mentioned to you that the Antichrist is going to provide such an incredible lie, deception, that the people are going to believe and they're going to worship him. And and nothing's going to change that. There, there isn't going to be a, oh, we're going to repent and change our minds and not follow the Antichrist. Even after all of this. You know when people, turn, when people in a country turn to God the most? When things are bad. When things are great, people don't feel like they need God. But even in a world that's as devastated as this, people will still will not repent and turn to God. We read that, that an army with 200 million troops is going to come from the east. Uh, I would speculate that it might be China just because there can't be, there's not very many nations that can produce an army of that size. And, and they're on the east side of the Euphrates River making war on their way to the land uh, occupied now by Israel. And they're killing one-third of the population on, on the way. If you remember, after the fourth seal, there were 5.13 billion people left on the earth. Let's just assume 600 million have died in the war, just in war from, from then to their war and famine, etc., leaving 4.5 billion. Now one-third of those, those is killed, another 1.5 billion leaving now 3 billion on earth. If you remember, the tribulation started with almost 7 billion. And it's already down to 3 billion. Seventh trumpet judgment in in, uh, chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet... And there were loud voices and shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty. The one who is, and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath. But now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. So here we have the seventh trumpet judgment or the third of those three final terrors which is preparation for Christ's kingdom. Preparation for what comes next, the thousand-year reign of Christ. It says that God's temple in heaven is opened, unleashing a rapid-fire barrage of events that are the next seven judgments, the seven bold judgments. And we see those in chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. Verse 5. Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues 
came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. So we then go to chapter 16, and we, we cover these final seven judgments, the seven bold judgments. The first bold judgment we see in verse 1, chapter 16. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So the first bowl judgment is sores uh, are, are break out on, on all those who have followed and worshipped the Antichrist. This happens to unbelievers only. What could cause malignant sores? Radiation? Anything like that? Again, keep, keep, your, keep your mind open to the possibility here. Second bowl judgment, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. If you remembered earlier, the second trumpet judgment, one-third of the sea was contaminated. But now... All of the sea is contaminated. Everything, all sea life, is now dead. Third bowl judgment, verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. All now fresh water is contaminated. There's there's no drinking water left. Fourth bowl judgment, verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give Him glory. I don't, I'm not trying to, to be funny, but this ultimately global warming will prove to be true right here because the, the, the heat of the sun Whatever is going to happen, however it happens, is going to, to scorch mankind. Fifth bowl judgment, verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. So now the world is plunged into darkness. And in that darkness, those 200 million troops that are coming from the east are now ready to march on Israel in the cover of darkness. Sixth bowl judgment, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east, that army, could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rules of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Look, I will... This is, again, if you have a red letter Bible like mine is, now Jesus is speaking, right? He says, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. So the Euphrates River, this sixth bowl judgment, the Euphrates River is dried up in preparation for Armageddon, freeing those armies from the east to be able to march towards Israel, towards that land, unimpeded. And that takes us then to the seventh bowl judgment in, in verse 17. 
Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished. Let me just, let me paraphrase. After all of this, God finally says, Enough. Enough. Verse 18. Then thunder and crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck. The worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. The seventh bowl judgment is cataclysmic destruction of the earth and the battle of Armageddon. 75-pound hailstones. Look, a 75-pound hailstone is bad enough. Or it could be nukes. It doesn't matter. What we know is they fall over all the world and every major city in the world is reduced to rubble. At the same time, the battle of Armageddon begins as the that 200 million troops uh, from the east goes to war against who, you ask? Against anyone and everyone because they all want control of that tiny portion of land that Israel occupies. But unbeknownst to them, they didn't necessarily on their own just willingly go there because they were going to go into a battle with other men. They've been drawn there for that battle to take a turn. And that happens when God says, enough. And this is where I just, I believe, again, I'm sharing now you my opinion, my interpretation, where I believe the seventh seal goes. Because when he sees all this and he says enough, that's then when I believe that the skies open up and everyone in the battlefield looks up and they see God on the throne and heaven looks down and sees the devastation that has taken place on the earth And there is silence in heaven for half an hour. Silence for ten seconds is awkward, isn't it? And there will be silence in heaven for half of an hour. And everything just stops. Silence at the awe of what has happened and the thought about of about what's about to happen. And then Christ comes. But this time he doesn't come like he did the first time. See, the first time he came as a lamb. But this time he comes as a lion. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet of God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. 
and the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. You see, there's a new rider on a white horse now. It's not the fake hero. It's the real hero. As Christ rides in and the armies of the world see him and they stop fighting each other and they prepare for war with Christ, that returning king, and we return with him, the Bible says, but we don't fight. The Bible says that a sword comes from his mouth, meaning he just speaks and the war is over. You see, the Bible talks often about the word of God and it makes a comparison saying that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus speaks and the armies, the armies of men fall dead. Satan is thrown into a prison of his own. The Bible calls the bottomless pit or the abyss. And then the thousand-year reign of Christ begins, which is what we're going to talk about next week. The tribulation will be the worst, most brutal, barbaric time in history. And there have been some barbaric times in history. And everyone who doesn't accept Christ as their Savior will experience it. And that is why, as I have said week after week after week, why we must do two things. We must tell people about Jesus and collectively as a group, we must stay committed to the truths of the Word of God. Because if we don't do either one of those, there is no hope for those that don't know Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What do we do with this? We get a boldness and an urgency about being a witness for Jesus Christ. And if we're not certain about our own relationship with Christ, we need to make sure we get that straight. We really have two options. We can be deceived into doing things our way and pleasing ourselves. Or we can realize that there is a greater thing going on in this world. God is at work right now in the church as they bear fruit for him. But there's going to come a time that he calls us to himself so that he could finish his work with Israel. And so that justice will come to those who have rejected Christ. Do not reject Jesus Christ. But commit your life to him. For forgiveness of sin. To be your Lord and your Savior. Danny's going to tell you in a moment how you can meet with someone. And they'll be glad to, to tell you about how to commit your life to Christ. But if you're here and you're a believer. We must tell people. About Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. As we look today into the future events, we see something that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy, and yet it's so um, 
cataclysmic the destruction is. God, help that, help the little bit that we can see and imagine today to give us a desire to tell people about Jesus. And ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.